Friends, welcome back to Bet On You Radio, where every episode we have an incredible guest sharing inspiring stories so you can have the tools you need to bet on yourself and win. I am Ben Whiting here with the amazing, legendary Angie Morgan Witkowski. Angie, how's it been? What's it been? A week now? It has been a week. And you know what I love about the entry into this podcast is you say bet on yourself and win. I love the concept of winning because I think oftentimes we think about it in competition, like I'm going to beat you. Or sometimes we think about it in these big epic moments where we're standing on top of Mount Everest, arms raised in bees. But winning can be so much more simpler than that. And when it is simpler and sometimes smaller and a little less loud, it just feels good. How are you? Are you winning in life right now? Tell me what's going on in your world. I am winning in life right now. And I'll tell you why, because of uh, something I've been struggling with. The, I think the victory has been in the struggle and my ability to just kind of acknowledge it and share it. I know if you follow me on LinkedIn, I, I know you do, but if our listeners follow me on LinkedIn, a while back, I put out a video uh, talking about how the meaning is in the struggle and how, you know, right around the end of March, that's when a lot of us kind of fall off the wagon in terms of our New Year's health resolutions. Uh, and there was another little piece of advice in there. But the point is, is that I admitted, you know, I'd been not exercising for about two or three weeks. And the victory that came out of that was uh, one of my mentors, Will Kitchen, who we actually had on an earlier episode. When he heard that, he reached out to me and just simply invited me out for a walk. And we've been going on weekly walks and just talking and reconnecting. And, you know, I hope our listeners don't never underestimate the value of a great mentor, because there's so many like get rich quick things online, you know, become a speaker in two weeks or what have you, you know, build your online course when the reality is uh, we don't know those people. And whenever someone gives me advice, I always like to ask, is this a person that I would want to trade places with? And Will has just been an incredible mentor. I encourage all of our listeners, find a mentor. Uh, don't take feedback from someone that you don't wouldn't want to switch places with. I kind of blabbered there, Angie. I could hear myself blabbering. So I'm going to ask you, uh, human connection is how has that been a part of you and your life the last couple of weeks? Well, I first want to remind people, we do have a Will Kitchen episode with Bet On You Radio. He was a phenomenal guest sharing with us life's wisdom. Well, not too long ago, though, I connected with some friends who I don't get to spend a lot of time with. And like what you were saying is that when you share and you're a little vulnerable with your friends about areas in your life you're struggling with, you know, our friends are there. They want to help. I mean, just ask somebody, just say, I need your help. Like, I know if I were to go to you and say, Ben, I need your help, you would get excited because we all want to help. And I think whenever we're struggling with something, we can really internalize it and sometimes isolate ourselves. But if we go to people, we have all these resources, people who are just waiting for us to come to them and ask. So I was with my girlfriends and it was just phenomenal. It made me reprioritize relationships in regard to work. I'm a work firster. And sometimes I, you know, defer gratification because I'm like, oh, my friends will be there. But you know what? This is our life. We have to make it a priority. And, you know, another great episode we had, another great guest was AJ Harbinger. Yes. And he was talking about the importance of relationship. And, you know, the key to building meaningful and fulfilling relationships is exactly what you just said. Being willing to be vulnerable with one another. That's how you give a relationship depth but making the choice to do that does take courage and it takes a certain kind of mindset which is why i'm glad we have the guest 
that we have today. Ryan, who is a amazing author, speaker, consultant, a leadership development uh, professor, and has a kind of a specialty around the idea of mindset. I think often we think of mindset as just one thing. And Ryan's here to talk about four different mindsets. Did you know that you had four different mindsets? I didn't realize that. All I knew was growth and fix, but apparently there's a lot more to it. And Ryan Goffertson is going to be sharing all that with us. I was so excited, Ryan, to have you on the program today because I know you've got some great guidance for our audience, those people out there who want to take risks on themselves, maybe recall a time when they were experiencing success and want to get back there. So you've written the success mindset, the elevated leader. Welcome to Bet on You Radio. Yeah, thanks for having me. And you, you talked to you about your colleague as being your friend. Hopefully I could be included in the friend group. Is that possible? You're already in it, man. Yeah, You're I'm already in it. Let's see. We don't really have a vote or anything. Maybe we'll vote after the podcast. But as far as I'm concerned, thumbs up. How about you, Ben? Yeah, well, I, yeah, I know you're across the country, but we'll have a, we'll have a Zoom happy hour right after this. <laughs> that sounds great. <laughs> Excellent. Well, hey, right. So, how did you get into leadership development? Man, so I, I could give you the long story, the short story. I'm actually going to take you back to high school, if that's okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, um, I, I. I don't know if there's another high school in the country that offered the high school, my favorite class that I took in high school. That class was sports psychology. So I grew up playing sports and I got to take the sports psychology class. And in the class, I still remember the books that I read was Stephen R. Covey's Seven Habits books. And then I read three books on leadership written by college basketball coaches. Um, and I just ate him up. And I remember as a senior in high school thinking, man, if, if I could write books like this for my career, that's what I would love to do. Um, and, but at the time, I just didn't know how to do it. And I, a few years later, I was living in Boston, Massachusetts, and I met a Harvard Business School professor. And I asked him, what do you teach? And he says, well, I teach organizational behavior. I was like, what's organizational behavior? And he essentially is describing sports psychology, but for business. I'm like, Oh my goodness. And that like the light bulb lit. I was like, I need to do that. So um, I, during my undergrad, I, I already mentioned this. I spent a summer in Kalamazoo, Michigan, working at Stryker, which helped me in my decision-making process to go get a PhD in organizational behavior and human resources. And so I've spent the last, gee, 15 years studying personal and leadership development um, from an academic standpoint. And I've spent the last five years now bringing it to business practitioners as, as a consultant. Um, and along the journey, I'm sure this will come out, is I've had, it's been awesome because I've been able to invest in myself and, and grow myself in addition to, to helping others. And really, ultimately, I, that's what needed to happen first is I needed to work on myself before I could help others. I love that phase that you have too, like I need to work on myself. And along those same, same, same thinking and same lines, what do you think in relationship to your work that most people need from a work on myself perspective at, I'll say, mid-stage in their life or mid-stage in their career? What do you hear from professionals, from people who are coming to you for guidance and advice, the type of support that they're seeking from you and the work that you're doing? Well, I'm going to give you one answer really quickly, and then we're going to circle back around to it, if that's okay. So I think one of the most important things that we could focus on is our mindsets. 
the mental lenses that we wear that shape how we view the world around us. And our mindsets are the most foundational aspect of everything that we do. How we see our world shapes how we think, how we learn, and how we behave. But here's the thing about mindsets, is if you had a group of 100 people in a room and you asked them, do you have positive or good mindsets? Do you think you'd get very many that would say no? <laughs> Probably not. I think we all think the way that we think is the right way to think, right? Exactly. Like our life story has told us the mindsets we currently have are really good mindsets. And one of the things that I've developed is a mindset assessment. It assesses the people, the quality of people's mindsets across four different sets of mindsets. And out of the 40,000 people who have taken my mindset assessment, only 2.5% are in the top quartile for all four sets of mindsets. The reality is, is that most of us, myself included, have mindset work to do. Um, but mindsets are really difficult for us to introspect about because they reside below the level of our consciousness. And they're also somewhat difficult to develop. They're, it, they're easier to develop than you, most people think, but they're, they're somewhat difficult because the development efforts we need to go through to shift our mindsets are different than what we are used to. So let me explain what I mean by that. And most people aren't aware of this, but there's two different types of personal development. There's horizontal development, and that's a form of development that we're used to. This is our most of our high school and college classes. It's all about learning new knowledge and new skills. It's kind of like downloading an app onto an iPad. It broadens our functionality. And that's great, but... When we download an app onto an iPad, does that improve how effectively that iPad operates as a whole? I'd like to think yes, but I think the answer you're looking for is no. It does not. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, the iPad could do more, but it can't do any more complex things than what it could do previously. And so if we want, when it comes to us, we could download apps onto our iPad. And that's good. That'll broaden our functionality. But another form of development is to improve our internal operating system. And that's a form of development called vertical development. And that's the whole focus of vertical development is upgrading our own internal operating system. And the best way to do that is through a focus on our mindsets. Mm -hmm. And this vertical development requires different efforts than what we're used to because effectively what we're doing is we're rewiring our mind, our body, and our hearts in the process. And that's what needs to happen to upgrade our operating system. And, and my study of vertical development is mindsets are, it, mindsets is the most direct way for us to focus on vertically developing ourselves, or in other words, upgrading our own internal operating system. Now, you've been talking now, I've said it a few times now, that there are like, I believe you said four different types of mindsets. What, what, what are those for? Yeah. So at a high level, well, actually, let me introduce them this way. I'm going to give you four desires and I want you to tell me whether or not society says these are good or bad desires. Is that okay? Yeah. Whether society says it, not whether we say it. Yep. Society. Okay. So the okay. desires <laughs> are to look good, be right, avoid problems and get ahead. I think those are pretty much society endorsed. I obviously we work in the leadership development space too. I don't think that those are, you know, how I would say correct, but I think society does say that a lot, or at least we advocate and promote it a lot. Yeah. We want to look good, be right, avoid problems, get ahead. 
Because who likes to look bad, be wrong, have problems, and get passed up? <laughs> right? Nobody. Like these are really justifiable desires. But when we have these desires, where's our focus? I would say very much internally. What do you think, Ben? Yeah, our, our focus is on ourselves and how you know other people see us. The so yeah, looks is about ourselves being right. That's putting yourself on a pedestal. Yeah, yeah, that's what I think. Yeah. I, I want to look good. I want to be right. I want to avoid problems. I want to get ahead. Now, these are very justifiable, right? Because we don't want to look bad, be wrong, have problems and get passed up. But these are very self-focused desires that are actually driven by the more negative mindset. So on these four sets, there's a more negative mindset and there's a more positive. And the negative mindsets are fixed, closed, prevention, and inward. So fix, close, prevention, and inward. And But what we got to understand is there's better desires to have that are fueled by more positive mindsets. So these mindsets on this side are growth, open, promotion, and outward. So we've got fixed and growth, closed and open, prevention and promotion, and inward and outward. And when we have these growth, open, promotion, and outward mindsets, our desires now become about learning and growing, instead of looking good, about finding truth and thinking optimally instead of being right, about reaching goals as opposed to avoiding problems, and about lifting others as opposed to us trying to get ahead. So there's growth mindset, promotion mindset, upward mindset, and then like this outward mindset. I would love for you just to go deeper with growth mindset, for example. I know that there's a lot of research from Carol Dweck's work mindset and a lot of individuals and businesses and schools, they use it. But if you could give us the cliff notes for growth mindset, I think that'd be awesome. Yeah, for sure. And this is the one, this is the set that most people are aware of because of Carol Dweck's work. Um, and, but what's interesting here is that again, if we asked a hundred people in a room, do you have a growth mindset? I don't think there'd be very many that would say no. But what I find working with organizations and particularly with executives is that every single executive team that I've worked with, which is now over 35 executive teams, every single one of them, the one, the mindset set that they have struggled with the most is a growth mindset. In other words, they tend to have more of a fixed mindset. So the difference between these is that when we have a fixed mindset, we believe that we and others are unable to change our talents, abilities, and intelligence. We kind of think I am who I am and there's nothing you could do about it. And when we have this mindset, we see the world in terms of haves and have nots. If something doesn't come naturally to me or if I fail at something, that means that I'm a have not and I can't become a have. So when we have a fixed mindset, and this is what I see with leaders, is we, are, we do not want to take on learning zone challenges because they are likely to expose our limitations. We only want to take on the things we know we will be successful at. In other words, this gets us back to our desires. We want to look good. We always want to put ourselves in a position where we look good. But that's different than people with a growth mindset. When people with a growth mindset um, they believe that they can change their talents, abilities, intelligence. Who they are now is only a shadow of who they're gonna be in the future. And they don't make meaning of the world in terms of haves and have nots. 
right? If they fail at something or something doesn't come naturally to me, them, that may mean that they're a have not right now, but that doesn't preclude them from being a have in the future. And so when people have a growth mindset, they're much more willing to approach learning zone challenges because again, they're not focused on looking good. They're focused on learning and growing. Um, does that make sense? Or do you want to add anything? I've got a, I've got a story that I could share, but uh, if you want to add something here. Yeah, I'd love to hear the story. Well, let me just make it come to life because this is a mindset that I've had to work on. So my take you back to my freshman year of college, I wanted to become a medical doctor. And so I signed up for the Weeder pre-med chemistry class. And at the end of that semester, I got the worst grade I'd ever received. I got a C. So I, I technically passed the class, but to me, that was a failing grade. And the way my fixed mindset processed this was, well, chemistry doesn't come naturally to you and chemistry is important for becoming a doctor. I guess you're not suited to become a doctor. You better change your major. Mm. And that's what I did. That's where my mind directed me and it felt right. It felt good. But now I kick myself because now that I think I have more of a growth mindset, I think I would have handled things differently. Right? When I got that C, I don't think I would have allowed my mind to tell me, well, I guess you're a lost cause. I think my mind would have said to me, hmm, this is a sign that you need to step up your study habits. You are only a freshman in college and chemistry is not easy, that you need to figure out a way to put in more hard work and effort to be to reach your goals. And it's not going to be as easy as you thought. Right? That's what my fixed mindset would have said, but it didn't. So I completely gave up on my dreams of being a medical doctor. Yeah, and you failed miserably since. Just kidding. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, it's funny with that too. I was at a community college. I work with Jackson College and their leadership council this week, and they were talking about students who um, were struggling, and they were talking about the letter grades, like the letter grades of Ds and Fs. And they're like, you know, we need to stop looking at that as a letter grade and just really starting to say, well, these are the things you – don't know. You need to repeat, but it's not that you're a failure. It's just that this is your gap in learning. Um, I want to transition to the promotion and prevention mindset. It's actually something I've written about in my book, Bet on You. And I know though your research goes really deep. So can you talk a little bit about promotion and prevention mindset? Yeah, this is another one that I've had to shift. So I used to have a really strong prevention mindset. I mean, part of it was based upon my upbringing. My parents were maybe the most frugal people I'd ever met. Um, my dad was an entrepreneur, but lost his business in the early 80s because of the economic downturn. And I grew up with two beliefs. You should never be an entrepreneur because it's too risky and you should never go into debt. And I graduated with a PhD without taking on any debt for my education. Like that was just kind of a part of my life. So I everything that I did was about playing it safe. Like even becoming a professor, where I'm a professor at Cal State Fullerton, I think I made that decision over being a consultant because it, there's safety built into professorship. Literally, there's a 10-year system, right? So I think my prevention mindset ultimately is what led me to become a professor. Um, but... One of the things that I, one of the things that happened to me, I was a professor for two years. I took a leave of absence to do some consulting work with a company called Gallup. And after 11 months into the job, I got fired. 
And I just never thought I would be somebody that got fired. It just, it wasn't a great fit. My manager, I was complaining to my manager. She's just like, look, this is not working out. I'm going to let you go. And I, man, I just, as a parent with two small kids, I was like, my world felt like it was collapsing. And I needed to figure out how to regroup. And that's the time where I took a deep dive into studying about mindsets. And I learned in the process of studying about mindsets that I had a prevention mindset. I was primarily focused on playing it safe, doing what felt comfortable, doing the things that would lead me to survive the day. And that's a prevention mindset. And I had to develop a promotion mindset. I need to become more focused on what is my destination and what is my purpose for getting there. And when we have a destination and we have a purpose, now it becomes not about how do I play it safe, it's how do I reach my goal? And, and so that's a shift that I've had to make. And as I made that shift, I decided I want to write a book. Well, in order to be successful with the book, I've got to start a business. Well, to be an entrepreneur, I actually need to go into debt, right? So it was after I shifted from a prevention to a promotion mindset that I then started to think differently than I did previously. And because I would think I was thinking differently, I was then behaving differently. I was doing things that a year prior I would have thought were absolutely crazy. But to me, they made perfect sense because they were going to, they were the steps that were going to help me get from where I was to that destination that I wanted to go. I got to say, Ryan, going back to what you said a little while ago, the worst grade you'd ever had in your life was a C. When I got a C, my parents put it on the refrigerator. That's where I'm coming from. So I'm just, I'm just going to put that out there. Just going to put that out there. But what I really want to dive into a little bit more is this prevention promotion mindset, the idea of playing it safe versus the idea of just going after your goals. Cause it seems to me that the common thread between those two things is your relationship to fear. Uh, how do you kind of alter your relationship with fear so that you can go from a prevention to a promotion mindset. Yeah, this is where the idea of vertical development comes in because we literally need to rewire our minds, our bodies, and our hearts. And part of that process is working through the fears that we have. Um, when we have a prevention mindset, our fear is of having problems, of something going bad. And when we have that fear, when that's our uh, an overriding and a dominant fear, and it may even exist below the level of our consciousness, we are prone to always play it safe. And so we've got to we got to rewire our body, we got to rewire our mind. Let me give you another another story, but this is part of my journey that helped we get me a prop. Show. We get a prop, listeners. Let's go see. Yes. Um, so. <laughs> About, about this time, so I got fired from Gallup. I was studying mindsets. I came across these ideas around prevention and promotion. And about the same time, I'm, I decided to go back to the university and I'm meeting with an, an executive here in Orange County, California. He's a, he runs a, a roofing business. And he, I, I go and meet with him and he hands me a book. And this is the book he hands me. It's called The Five-Minute Journal. I don't know if you've ever heard of The Five-Minute Journal. He hands me this book and he says, this is going to change your life. And outwardly, I'm very gracious. I'm like, oh, thank you so much. I love books. I can't wait to dive into it. But inwardly, I'm thinking, who the hell do you think I am? There is no <laughs> way that I am going to journal. Like, 
my mom was a journaler. I've got like seven boxes of journals that I'll probably never read sitting in my closet. Like this is what's going through my mind. I come home, I get in my office and I literally went to throw this book in the trash. And in my like mind's eye, I hear the CEO like over my shoulder say, this book will change your life. And I'm like, oh my goodness. Like, okay. So, so I was like, okay, I'm going to give this two weeks. If I notice a difference, I'll keep with it. And if I don't, it'll go in the trash. Well, almost five years later is I'm doing this every day still because it's made that big of a difference. So every day I open this up. This is like the first thing I do every morning after I meditate. So I guess it's my second thing that I do um, is it's got an inspirational quote. Then I answer three questions. The first one is what are three things that you're grateful for? What are three things that would make today great? And then fill in a self-affirmation. Oh. Uh, and then at the end of the day, what are three amazing things that happened today? And how could I have made today even better? That is, again, five minutes. And I wanted to share with our readers a couple of things. You've heard often on Bet On You Radio that people do practice gratitude. People do meditate and do things to clear their mind. This session is really about your mindset. So as you're hearing Ryan talk, it's really great to check in with yourself on what I need to know to grow and develop really comes down to those reflective moments that can be so powerful. So thank you for that. And I also want to note, if you're listening and not seeing the YouTube video, as Ryan is talking about failures and being fired, he's smiling and getting excited. So when you think about failures and things bad happen, if you're not smiling, maybe there's an opportunity to think about your mindset. And that's, I think, that level of vulnerability we can all get comfortable. So it's learning, growing, moving forward. And I would love to talk about the next mindset that you had, which is open mindset. And I think we can all, at hearing it, get a sense of what an open mindset is. But I know through your research, you can give us a lot more detail on how we can have a greater, more open mindset. Yeah. So when we have a, the opposite of that is a closed mindset, right? Mm -hmm. When we have a closed mindset, we're closed to the ideas and suggestions of others. Well, why would anybody ever be close to the ideas and suggestions of others? Well, I think fundamentally it's because they believe that what they know is best or at least better than you, right? So when we have a closed mindset, we see our mind as a bucket and our bucket is full. What happens if we pour something into a full bucket? Well, nothing gets absorbed. And, and so that's the epitome of a closed mindset. But people that with an open mindset, they may have a lot in their bucket but they always leave room for the idea that they could be wrong. And when we leave room for the idea that we could be wrong, we're willing to take in the ideas and suggestions of others. So those with the closed mindset are primarily focused on being right and being seen as right. People with an open mindset, because they're not concerned about being right, they're able to focus on finding truth and thinking optimally. Right, and it's, it sounds like whereas fear uh, beforehand was kind of the thread between uh, the previous two mindsets, prevention and promotion, this it sounds like it could be curiosity, like the willingness to be curious and be seen as learning versus, you know, your ego, ego kind of jumping in and making sure everyone sees you as right, even though, you know, usually the most embarrassing times in our lives is when we insist that we're right, only to find out that uh, we weren't. I mean, yeah. I don't know, it's, just, it's never happened to me. Maybe it's happened to you, Angie, I don't know. <laughs> Barely. <laughs> <laughs> I love it though. I once heard this thing by Malcolm Gladwell um, in one of his masterclass courses that, you know, if you're an expert, 
you know about, let's say 98%, what you don't know, that remaining 2%, you should be insanely curious about because that's only going to sharpen your knowledge base. And that really was a wonderful way to think about it. Like the things that I don't know should be driving me mad and crazy with curiosity. So yeah, I want to piggyback off Ben's question. What role does curiosity play with an open mindset? And how can we all be a little bit more curious? <clears throat> Well, it's, it, we've got to wrestle with the fear and the ego. All of these negative mindsets come about because of self-protective fears. Let's just think about, this is an easy one to talk about, politics and religion, right? It's maybe it's a couple of the things that people are the most closed-minded about. Well, why are they closed-minded about these things? There's inherently a fear of what if I'm wrong? Or connected to that is the ego drive of, I really identify with this political group or with this religious affiliation. That is a part of who I am. And so if somebody were to come along and say something that I didn't fully agree with, even accurate, it's likely that I'm going to shut that down to protect my identity. Oh, yeah. I was going to, is that the fuel behind? Because we've, uh, I know Angie and I in the past have talked about the backfire effect. Like even when you give someone solid evidence that is contrary to a core belief they have, they will tend to double down on that yep. belief. It sounds like what you're saying right here might be the, the reason behind that. It is. It's a, it's a protection mechanism. So whenever somebody is closed-minded, they are protecting something. And this brings up something that we haven't got to yet, but is to me, is it's the, at the heart of vertical development. It's the heart of why I do what I do is... At the end of the day, if we want to upgrade our internal operating system, it, it's really about healing ourselves. Whenever we have a negative mindset, it is there because something has happened to us in the past that we need to heal from. And that can mean a wide variety of things. That can mean childhood trauma. That can mean childhood neglect. This can mean just somebody getting fired at work or being treated unfairly. Right? It can mean a wide variety of things. But when we have negative mindsets, it's always a sign of self-protection, which is a natural response to bad things that have happened to us. Oh, wow. And so part of vertical development and shifting our mindsets is ultimately actually healing ourselves and healing our body's nervous system. So we're not always reactive and defensive, and we could be creative and intentional. I know a lot of people, when they hear that phrase, healing ourselves, it can seem so soft and squishy and warm and huggy. Can you bring some hard evidence to say that, hey, this actually is something really important and don't dismiss it? Yeah. I mean, let me, let me get into my journey here. And this has been a part of my own vertical development journey. So one of the things that I've I didn't know this until recently. So I, I don't know if you've read this book, but a couple of years ago, I picked up a book. It's been kind of the number one best-selling nonfiction book on Amazon. It's called The Body Keeps the Score. And it's all about the impact that trauma has on our bodies and how it then shows up in terms of how we operate and even our health and well-being. And, and I'm reading this book. And at the end of the book, he's talking about different therapy modalities. And and I'm reading these and there's a therapy modality that pops up that I'd never heard of before. And it's called eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. It's EMDR. And I'm like, this sounds like it's hippie. Like this sounds out there. 
but the results are unheard of. So I was like, I kind of want to try this out. But, and so I I reached out to a, a trauma therapist who does EMDR and I said, I don't have any trauma in my past, but I'd love to experience this. And of course, she's probably like laughing on her side of the coin. Like everybody tells me that they don't have trauma in their past, right? Um, and and the reason why I'm, I'm jumping into this story is because up until now, we've covered three of the four sets of mindsets. We covered fixed and growth, closed and open, and prevention and promotion. What we haven't covered is the inward and outward. For me, when I first learned about mindsets, I had a fixed, closed, prevention, and inward mindset. I I was able to shift to growth, open, and promotion relatively easily. The one that I've really struggled with is this inward to outward mindset. When we have an inward mindset, we see ourselves as more important than others, and we have a tendency to see others as objects. When we have an outward mindset, we see others as being just as important as ourselves, And this allows us to see them as people and to value them as such. So when I I knew that this is the one that I struggled with the most, and as I start meeting with my trauma therapist, I I soon discover, and I, I just didn't think that my background was very remarkable. In other words, I felt like everybody had a similar background to me. Come to find out, my background was a little unique. I'm not gonna say it's uncommon, but it was a little unique. And what I discovered is that while my parents were always there for me physically, like they went to every basketball game I ever played, they were rarely there for me emotionally. Like I was emotionally neglected as a child and and all through my upbringing. And what I've learned, and this is part of what I've learned from The Body Keeps the Score, is people who experience neglect, the effects of neglect are usually as bad, if not worse, than actual physical abuse. And so being somebody who was neglected as a child, I could not rely upon others to meet my needs. I had to meet my own needs. I was responsible for my own needs. So how that shows up for me now is I'm an incredibly responsible, independent person. And that's part of my strengths. But when I, growing up in that way, it also led me to have an inward mindset and to not be very trusting of others. And so while there were some really big benefits that came out of my upbringing, there's also some huge limitations in terms of my ability to connect with others, um, to be able to be ultimately emotionally intelligent, to navigate certain social situations, to be a good team member. Like I was always a doer, not necessarily a great team member. So I could see all the instances where my inward mindset, while some ways it was beneficial, ultimately had been tripping me up. And I think that's ultimately why I got fired from Gallup was I was operating with an inward mindset. I need to be in the best position to succeed as opposed to, hey, I want to contribute to this team and I want to add value to this team. And so for me, I think I've made some really big shifts and I credit my therapist for helping me make those shifts from this inward to outward mindset. But that gives us a sense of ultimately where my mind's inward mindset came about and what I've had to do to shift. And it's taken healing as a part of that process has been, in fact, I would say a vital part of the process. And for our listeners tuning in right now, in addition to the book, uh, Ryan mentioned the body keeps score. There's another book 
that I am actually in the middle of right now, Ryan, by Lindsay Gibson called The Adult Children of Emotionally Immature Parents. Mm, that's a good one. Any, yeah, if you, I'm sure you're familiar with the uh, anyone who's thinking, like, hmm, I'm kind of curious about this, and maybe I, I don't know everything about myself I thought I did. I definitely recommend uh, that book in addition to all the ones uh, Ryan has mentioned up to this point in time. So I, not to get too, too, too personal, uh, but what were some of the practical strategies that you use, Ryan, to shift from one mindset to the other, to change your relationship with curiosity, to change your relationship with fear, to change your relationship with understanding yourself? Because it sounds like part of this last mindset, this kind of open uh, versus close, is an acceptance that you we don't know who we are, which going back to the fear you mentioned earlier kind of threatens our identity and our ego. Uh, was yeah. there any like practical things you've mentioned meditating? Uh, you've mentioned, yeah. uh, you know, EMDR. Any other practical strategies you've had to kind of shift these mindsets in your own life? Yeah, um, and thanks for asking. So remember, what we're talking about here is vertical development, upgrading our own internal operating system. And there's two different modes that we could do this. There's what's called top-down approaches, where we start, because what we're doing is we're rewiring. We start in our connection or, or our, uh, our cognition. So top-down is starting cognition, go into emotions, and into feelings. That's the top down. And when we focus on mindsets, that's what we're doing. We're awakening, okay, what are the quality of my mindsets? Where do these come from and how do these make me feel? I'm gonna be curious here, be kind of dumb. You said emotions and feelings. Uh, I was kind of under the impression those are, are very like, the same thing, if not very similar. Could you kind of differentiate between those two things for us? Well, part of it is what we're talking about is there's three different regions of our brain. There's the mammalian or there's the reptilian, the mammalian and the human brain. So the cognitions are in the human brain. The emotions are in that mammalian brain and the reptilian brain are the natural knee jerk kind of feelings that arise in certain situations. So mm -hmm. that's what that's connected to. Does that make sense? Yes. Yes. Okay. And that even stems down into like literally our heart. Um, and our interoceptive abilities. Um, so that's there's top-down approaches, and then there's bottom-up approaches, where we start with feelings, move into emotions, and into cognitions. And those approaches are things like EMDR, is a therapy modality that is about starting in your body and moving to cognition. When we talk, as I mentioned, talk about mindsets, that's a top-down, or even cognitive behavioral therapy is a top-down approach. Um, but what we do know is I gave you the example of this five minute journal is what science is finding is in order to shift our mindsets from one to another, our mindsets we need to recognize are literally neural connections in our brain. And our neural connections are a lot like our muscles. The more we use them, the stronger they become. So effectively, if we want to vertically develop, if we want to shift our mindsets, we have got to hit the gym for our brain. And that's what the five minute journal was for me, is every day I'm doing a mental rep or exercise. This is my mental bench press. Every morning that I do to stimulate and activate my promotion mindset neural connections. And over the course of two to three weeks, what research finds is spending five minutes a day exercising your positive mindset neural connections you're gonna see significant shifts in your mindsets. Oh yeah. So there's this holistic view of top down, bottom up, 
And then there's the actual doing, which is just small little interventions repeated over time that are, are designed to activate and stimulate positive mindsets. That's how we, that's how we shift our mindsets and vertically develop. You know, I, I had a therapist once who told me that beliefs are simply practiced thoughts. And it sounds like what that five minute journal is doing for you is just helping you practice the thoughts of gratitude, practicing the thoughts of, uh, well, yep, yeah, especially gratitude and like yeah. planning a positive mindset around what could go great that day. I'm just learning so much about me. So thank you, Ryan, for being our guest. And you are at Ben's in my favorite part of the program, which really every part of the program is our favorite. But we do have some really favorite questions that we like to ask our guests for consistency's sake. You ready? I feel like I'm on the hot seat. Let's do it. <laughs> Great. I always love to ask people, especially who read so much, you can share with me a book that was really either impactful or inspirational to you. What was it? Oh, man. Well, oh, book. One, down to one. Okay. We've talked about The Body Keeps the Score. That's one of them. Um, one of them is called if you want to get into the outward mindsets, leadership and self-deception and bonds that make us free, those are two different books. Uh, if you want to focus on an open mindset, I think Think Again by Adam Grant. Mm -hmm. uh, we talked about Carol Dweck and her book, Mindsets. Um, and one that I really like around a promotion mindset is uh, Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins. Oh, gosh. That was more than one book, but all great book recommendations. Thank you, Ooh. Ben. You're up, oh, man. Ben, <laughs> I am excited. So just considering all the story, this is a question that I sometimes I ask, sometimes I don't, but I'm going to ask it today. Considering everything you've told us about in terms of your mindset, in terms of your kind of emotional relationship with your parents, if you could go back in time and talk to yourself as a youngster, what would you tell him? Oh man, um, and, and just to be transparent, this is a part of my therapy journey is, is doing this work. And it's, um, for me, it's it's telling my five, there's a couple of instances in particular that happened in my childhood, one at five years old, another at 10 years old. And in each of those, I, I, I literally try to bring my five-year-old and 10-year-old self with me when I go places. And, and like, if I go to the beach or I was just up in the mountains, is I actually want to spend time with them. And one of the messages that I routinely uh, tell them is you're not alone. I'm with you. Um, so it's uh, it's been a part of the my healing process. I have never heard about that, bringing your younger self with you. That is such an amazing, just, yeah, it's getting my mind just kind of amazed thinking about it. Thank you for sharing that. And thank you for being so vulnerable with your healing journey and your story. I would be curious, Ryan, if you can recall a specific time in your career when you received a piece of feedback that was illuminating. Um, it could be constructive feedback. It could be growth oriented. It could be positive, but just something somebody told you that was illuminating. Oh, man. Um, <clears throat> Uh, to, to me, one of the things that was the most illuminating kind of came out was, and it wasn't necessarily the feedback they received, but it was just the what occurred, which was me getting fired. Like in some ways, that's feedback in and of itself. Mm -hmm. And and I think I could have gone the route of like blame, blaming others or blaming my manager. And maybe I was, there was a couple of days where I was wiser than my normal self. And I decided to say, what can I have learned from this or what can I learn from this? And I think that ultimately put me on a better 
trajectory and uh, both mentally as well as professionally um, and even emotionally. So that, that was, and, and I say that to anybody, any feedback that's now become kind of my attitude is what, even if I feel it's incorrect is what can I learn from this? So that was a piece of feedback. What is, and this can be in the past or recently, what is just a piece of practical, uh, we'll say a life hack. What's a practical life hack that was just a game changer for you? It can be an app you downloaded. It can be a book you read. It can be just an exercise program, anything at all. Well, I don't know if you've ever read the book, The Morning Miracle. I think it's written by Hal Elrod. And um, I didn't read it before I started this, but I, I agree with everything that he says is, Part of my, I feel like there was an inflection point, which is around when I got fired and I shifted my mindsets and then I went to write a book, start a business, et cetera. All of that I credit to, I decided that I was going to start waking up at five o'clock every morning. I wasn't going to, I wasn't going to wait until the last moment until I had to do something for somebody else, like my wife or my kids or my job or whatever it might be, is I was going to wake up at a time for myself, where I can invest in myself. Um, and that's been a game changer. So for me, I've got a half hour morning routine, it involves meditation, um, the five minute journal, a few other things. And, and then I spend the next hour and a half writing. That's my writing time. That's when I write my books. Um, and then I got my whole rest of the day to get my stuff done, whatever that happens to be. But that having that two hours every morning to myself, that's just been a game changer. Yeah, you do your journal, you meditate. What are the couple other things you do? So uh, one of the things that I really know, I, I love it. So it's, uh, I get an email every morning from the universe. I don't know if you heard about this, but if you go to tut.com, T-U-T.com, you could sign up, you could get a note from the universe. Um, in fact, let me pull up, let me see if I could find today's note. I love that idea, getting a note from the universe. And I'd be curious who's behind Tut, the man behind the curtain. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, his name is Mike Dooley, um, which is kind of an interesting guy. But here, here's my note from the universe today. Uh, he says, it's impossible to be afraid, Ryan, when you dwell in truth. Cool, the universe. And then he says below, P.S., the greater the fear, Ryan, the farther from truth. So, so that's one of the things so I'll, I'll do the meditation, five minute journal, tut.com, um, review my, what do I want to accomplish today type thing? And then I'm, I'm good to go. That sounds like a great, I'm a five minute, 5 a.m. early person too. I just find that waking up before everybody else, it's not the proverbial early word gets the worm, but it's really, it's me spending time with me. And that's a really important relationship to nourish. So up, up there with you. Okay. So last question, because we're talking a lot of positive psychology, but inevitably we all get in funks. What do you do to get yourself out of a funk? Man, I don't know if I'm the best person to ask uh, that question. Cause I don't know if I do a great job with this. Like this is part of my journey is um, I think I could allow things to roll off me really well and really easily, but I'm not saying that's always a good thing. Right. It, it, like I think one of the things that Brene Brown says is, and this is a part of me, like in the healing journey is I've learned something about myself, which is I'm, I'm at least a little bit dissociated, which means for me, my mind and my body aren't as well connected as they should be. And therefore I probably don't feel feelings and emotions. I don't feel the spectrum the way that other people do, right? For me, the, this color spectrum is muted. 
Um, and I'm wanting to bring more color into that spectrum. And what I'm learning in the process is I actually need to be okay feeling bad feelings. I need to create space for those. Um, not that I not that I love to dwell in those, but I actually need to create room for them. I need to acknowledge them. I need to sit with them. Um, and then I and and to the degree that I do, they'll naturally pass through. But I but I can't ignore them. Is what I've learned is, is that that ignoring them is a self protective mechanism that actually holds me back from seeing and feeling the full spectrum of color, if that makes sense. Oh, that was great guidance. You, yeah, you mentioned this the spectrum of color and emotions. Is there like a tool or any kind of place where other people, if they want to kind of be like, hey, I wonder if I'm feeling the full spectrum of emotions, a tool that you're aware of where they can kind of self-diagnose or do a, um, yeah, a diagnosis for themselves? Yeah, so there's two terms that I would recommend people Google because I know they're out there. I haven't done them. So one term is dissociation. So Google like dissociation um, assessment or another term that is similar related is called alexithymia. That one's probably harder to spell, um, but alexithymia, uh, there's a couple of different uh, assessments associated with that. And dissociation alexithymia are two terms that are largely capturing the same concept, um, but just talked about with different groups of people. All right, and I got a bonus question for you. Uh, I know our listeners are curious now, if they want to learn more about you, if they want to take your mindset assessment, how do people find out about Ryan Gottfordson? Yeah, best place is the website, ryangottfordson.com. As you mentioned, you've got a couple of assessments there, a mindset assessment, a vertical development assessment, books, whole host of resources. Um, and then next best place is probably LinkedIn. That's the social media where I'm most active. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Ryan, for being such a phenomenal guest on Bet On You Radio. I know Ben and I got a lot from our conversation today. Thanks for having me. Thanks for creating space and uh, for people to have these types of conversations. Hopefully it allows other people to elevate themselves and become more of the people they want to be. Ben, what is one thing you took away from our conversation? Oh my gosh, there's, I don't know about you, but I have like three pages of notes here mm -hmm. and it's hard just to pick one thing, but learning about the different types of mindsets and the open mindset versus the closed mindset and the realizing all the various habits that we can put into it, processing our emotions. But if I had to pick one piece of advice, one kind of thing he said that really uh, stuck with me, it was all around kind of the prevention mindset and our relationship to playing it safe versus keeping a destination in mind and finding new ways to get there. And that we have to kind of change our relationships to fear and emotions. And I thought that was absolutely fascinating. Angie, what about you? What really stood out to you? Yeah, and first and foremost, we hope as you listen to Bet On You Radio, that really is our goal to share with you how to move from fear to promoting your life and the dreams, goals, and aspirations that you have. I love the idea, though, of taking my five-year-old and 10-year-old self on trips. I, you know, just reconnecting with that past. I think for many of us uh, who know me and have heard my story, I recently... I'd say a couple of years ago, reconnected with my college boyfriend. We're now married. But what's been really wonderful is connecting with that part of my life, my college life. Like I don't go there that often, but I'm so curious to revisit my five and 10 year old self. And so that sounds like a wonderful thought experiment. So that is what I'm taking away with from this episode. Oh, 
Fantastic. Well, friends, we hope you got as much out of this episode as Angie and I did. And we hope that you will tune in every week to Bet On You Radio, when we are going to have more incredible guests giving you the tools and strategies you need to bet on yourself and win. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Mm-hmm.